0: and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you.
1: Welcome, listeners, to the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary, located at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. I'm Dana Late trying to bring you a wide variety of really good information all about you and your health. Now, you can go on uh, iTunes and go on the podcast and Essentials of Healthy Living, and you can stream, download any of of the interviews that we've had they're all very interesting and you've got a lot to pick from and I also want to let listeners know about an amazing feature an amazing event featuring 35 doctors and nutrition experts presenting research-based diet and nutrition strategies for improving mental health and particularly anxiety, ADHD, and autism in children. And many of these top experts we've interviewed right here on the radio show. It's a wonderful opportunity for parents and practitioners. It's Nourishing Hope Summit 2020, and go to nourishinghopesummit.com. And you will find Julie Matthews, who's a globally respected nutrition expert. So, I I want to welcome our guests. It's uh, quite an honor. We have Two Dr. Perlmutters, and it's Dr. David Perlmutter, a board certified neurologist and fellow of the American College of Nutrition, and Dr. Austin Perlmutter, board certified in internal medicine. And our subject is their most recent book, Brainwash Detox Your Mind. And they're going to tell us a lot more about that. But first, could each one of you go into some background, what your uh, clinical experience is, educational? You have so much to offer.
2: Sure. This is David Perlmutter, and uh, I am a neurologist by training. also have been practicing integrative-slash-functional medicine for several decades. I uh, uh, had the wonderful opportunity to uh, actually be an instructor in functional medicine in various countries around the world. And have always taken a more integrative approach to the practice of medicine, not just you know the utilization of medications and standard treatment that we use here uh, in Western cultures, but rather looking at all the things that are out there, and especially uh, interested in uh, preventive medicine as it relates to our day-to-day lifestyle choices and how those lifestyle choices play out in terms of whether we get a problem or we don't. Because I've always believed it's a heck of a lot easier to prevent a disease than it is to ultimately treat it once it has already uh, grown some roots and established itself in the body. So that's been uh, what I've uh,
3: been interested in over the years. And this is Austin Perlmutter. My background is in internal medicine, which I generally describe as more general medicine, if you were to go see somebody in a primary care clinic or in a hospital with a pneumonia or a heart issue, that would be an internal medicine doctor. I am interested most specifically in how we make decisions and how the neuroscience of decision-making overlaps with our health conditions. And that's everything from diabetes to anxiety and depression. So for the last several years, I've, in essence, been reading everything I can to better understand this concept because I believe it's something that we've majorly missed in the standard medical training as well as just in the way that we approach decision-making in general. So that has kind of led me to this point where I've been working with my father in the last couple of years and writing this book and bringing this message to the public, which is you can make better choices, and when you do that, you're going to be more likely to achieve success as it relates to your health, your mental health, and also just, you know, the, the general stuff we care about in life, so that's financial success and relationships, um, and it's been been quite a journey, but I've enjoyed every moment of it.
2: And, and let me, if I may, just amplify what Austin just said, because I, I want to make sure it doesn't get lost, and that is this notion that, you know, as it relates to our chronic diseases that are so prevalent in the world uh, that they very much relate back to the decisions that we each make day to day. And, Dana, certainly that's you know, been a theme of your program. How do we make better decisions and what are those decisions and why are they important? And so we are looking not at the specific decisions that people make as much as we are looking at how we make our decisions, what underlies, what motivates us to choose one thing versus another. Uh, As Austin has said so many times, do we eat the jelly donut or do we choose to eat the apple? What happens, what's going on in our brains at that decision point that makes us either make a good decision, go to bed on time, get the exercise we need, uh, eat the right foods, or make the wrong decision, staying up too late, not getting exercise, eating the wrong kinds of foods. So not what are the decisions that we make, but how we go about making those decisions. That's been the focus of our work together over the past couple of years. You know, your approach is refreshing,
1: and I think it it gets really to the core. Um, My observation in working with patients when uh, many of them uh, adults, the adults that I see, will come back maybe five years later and say, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I've undermined myself. And, you know, that that's uh, has to do with how they feel about themselves, their self-esteem, why they won't let themselves stay healthy. And they take these big breaks and go, go on the comfort food, and then they're in trouble again. And it, it happens over and over. I once asked a gal who was obsessed with her weight, uh, did she have a picture of when she was her healthiest and she would like to be that way? And she told me, oh, yes, it's on my refrigerator. I was 21. And I said, were you happy? And she said, no. What makes you think <laughs> that you can find happiness uh, by losing weight? And, and I suggested that she see a counselor. Uh, so you, you all have really taken this science, and put it in to how, how we make decisions. So tell us more about that. I think it's fascinating what you're doing and, and about the, the book, Brainwash.
3: Well, I think you hit uh, several key subjects in what you just said. And as it relates to these choices, When we consider that we kind of know what we need to be doing, and maybe that's eating healthier food or calling our relatives on occasion or going for a walk in the morning like we said we would, we get to that moment of choice, and maybe we make the healthy choice, but maybe we don't. And if we don't make the healthy choice, then we look at that as a failure, and it's a failure of willpower. It's we didn't care enough because I knew what the right thing was to do, but I just didn't do it. And so this is kind of the way that we have approached decision making, especially as it relates to the doctor's office. The patient comes in, let's say they need to lose weight. I tell them what you need to do is eat less refined carbohydrates. They say, I agree with you. They come back a month later, they didn't do it. So they had the information, they knew what they needed to do, and yet they didn't follow through. So that would be then a willpower deficit. And that makes the person, when they don't do the right thing, feel terrible, because it's all the blame on their shoulders. And so what we try to do in this book is say, is this a framework that is working? Objectively, it's not working. People aren't making better decisions, so blaming them doesn't help. And then you say, well, what are we missing in this whole uh, kind of paradigm of decision-making? And what we're missing is the brain wiring, because it's the brain wiring that determines whether we're more or less likely to make the good choice. You know, I tell people, by the time you get to the moment of decision, whether that's, as my dad said, choosing the the jelly donut over something more healthy, or deciding if you're going to put on your shoes to go for that walk in the morning versus sleeping in, by the time you get there, most of the decision has already been made for you. The reason is your decisions are a reflection of the state of your brain. And what determines the way that your brain is set up? Well, it's how you interface with the environment. It's the food that you eat. It's the relationships that you keep. It's the sleep you do or don't get. And so, All of that is is incredibly significant as it relates to the modern day, and and that is because we have been sequentially manipulated in our thinking to make poor decisions. We'd like to believe that we can just force ourselves to, to make better choices. Again, I'm just going to start eating salad for two meals a day. I'll just start doing that. But we see that doesn't work, and the clearest example of that is for New Year's resolutions. Nobody is capable of sticking to the New Year's resolutions. Gyms love it because everybody signs up for the gym, and then a few weeks later, nobody is going anymore. But that is putting the blame back on the consumer, saying it just you didn't care enough to follow through, versus the question of why are our brains so programmed for poor choices? And that actually gets to the, the meat of the book, where we describe how inflammation, which is the result of the standard American diet, wires our brains for poor choices. We talk about how poor sleep, which is becoming epidemic throughout the world, has very clear changes in the brain that are associated, which lead us to making worse choices. We talk about how we become so much more mindless as it relates to our digital technology consumption and how the anxiety and fear-provoking news wires our brains for worse choices. So the take-home message for your listeners is that if you want to start making better choices, which I guarantee you do, and why is that? Because... Good choices are necessary to getting you the things you care about, whether that's more financial security, better relationships, better health, better mental health. So you want to start making better choices. How do you do that? You have to take back the wiring of your brain. You have to understand how your brain is being wired by outside influences like marketing, and then make a plan to wire your brain for your own benefit. It turns out there are some very straightforward ways of doing this. We've mentioned some already, but even just getting one night of good sleep is going to put you on track for making better choices.
1: Yes, I always say sleep is a nutrient, and there is no substitute or a supplement that can replace good restorative sleep. So thank you. Um, I always like that people say that. Talk. Let's in our next segment. I'd like to go into how our brains are getting disturbed. Uh, EMFs. We we talked to Martha Herbert on this show about her work in that arena, and she's a colleague. Uh, She was very active in the autism community and still is. So we'll be very interested in the things that are affecting our brains and how we let it happen and what we can do about it. So folks, if you've just tuned in with us, you're with the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour, and we're having a fascinating conversation with Dr. David Perlmutter and Dr. Austin Perlmutter, and we're talking about brainwash and uh, what you can do to improve your health, your choices, uh, your serenity. So we'll be back right after this break. Stay with us.
0: When it comes to taking a multivitamin, the Pure Encapsulations One Multivitamin makes it one and done. This convenient formula provides vitamins, minerals, and other essential nutrients in a comprehensive vegetarian multivitamin for both men and women in a once daily dose. It includes L5 MTHF, the universally metabolized form of folate, and an antioxidant complex with sustained release, CoQ10, to enhance immunity and support energy metabolism. The One Multivitamin, available at Village Green Apothecary.
6: These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: I'm Mark Isaacson, owner of Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda, the most unique pharmacy in the country. You are unique, and at Village Green, we treat you this way. At Village Green, our passion is personalization and getting the root cause of health conditions. Guidance on foods, nutrients, and pharmaceuticals to empower you with personalized recommendations just for you. For over 50 years, customers have depended on advice from our expert team of pharmacists and clinical nutritionists. Visit Village Green in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to the second segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, and I'm your host for the hour. And we're talking with Dr. David Perlmutter and Dr. Austin Perlmutter, and we're talking about their Book brainwash uh, detoxing your mind and let's go more into what you've put in that book and how we can help clear our minds for, toward making better decisions.
2: Let's yeah let's break this down just a little bit and I I wanted just to pick up a little bit more on what Austin was saying because I think it's really very important that both we as healthcare providers and people who receive the information are in the blame game. Uh, You know, when when Austin talked about the person who comes back after a month and didn't take the advice and gain more weight, there's a sense that uh, we blame that person for not having the willpower, not following through. And similarly, people blame themselves, look in the mirror and say, darn it, why can't I do this? I just don't have the willpower. And what we identified in the book is, you know, really the deck is stacked against people. It's not necessarily their fault and that's a very liberating kind of concept because you know until now people have been blaming themselves for not having the tools when we talk about it as a tool we realize that that specific tool being able to make a good decision has been actively sabotaged by so many aspects of our modern world there are active efforts underway to keep us from making good decisions to lock us into making bad decisions because it's good for revenue, that we buy crappy food, that we buy things online that we don't need, and that we believe that somehow buying more of these things is our way towards happiness because advertising convinces us that's the way to go. Reality is uh, that we've got to get away from an impulsivity type of behavior as it relates to making important decisions and be more forward-thinking, be more thoughtful as it relates to, as you've talked about for so long, our lifestyle choices. Again, getting to bed on time, as you mentioned, uh, eating the right food, doing our daily exercise, meditating, reconnecting with nature, keeping a gratitude journal, all of these various things that you've asked me about now to unpack that are very important. So as a preface to each and every one of those, Understand that at the end of the day, they all help us connect to the part of the brain that then fosters better decision-making, giving back the tools to people who may not have those tools anymore uh, to allow them to lock into that part of the brain and bring it on, bring it to bear uh, as it relates to a particular decision. Should I stay up and binge watch another episode or should I go to bed? and that is a decision that really is a manifestation of what part of the brain is in charge. In charge Is the part of the brain <coughs> that is impulsive, amygdala-based behavior involved, or are we able now to tap into what's called the prefrontal cortex, basically allowing <coughs> a more adult-type decision, making uh, better <coughs> decisions as they relate to what's good for us, and frankly, what's good for others uh, in a more long-term kind of perspective. So it's through that lens that we should look at all of these recommendations that we talk about in Brainwash uh, throughout the book that include a a more restorative sleep regimen, getting our daily exercise, eating a diet that's lower in terms of inflammation, uh, re-exposing ourselves, reconnecting to our natural world, by either getting out into nature or bringing nature into our homes, reconnecting to other people. And, you know, I know that this is uh, an evergreen kind of a a broadcast, but the truth is I I am pretty sure that as you continue to uh, air this moving forward, we'll still be either involved in the notion of social distancing or at least it will be very much in our memories. And I I just want to say that... um, Social distancing does not necessarily equate to social isolation. One of the worst things we can do for ourselves and for others is to isolate ourselves. Though we might need to physically uh, um, uh, structure our lives so that we are distanced from others, it doesn't mean that therefore disconnecting to people around us uh, is is what we need to be doing. So we need to really make extra effort these days to connect with other people, either at a socially responsible uh, uh, distance uh, or even through virtual means, like we are connecting right now through digital means, through social media. Uh, Now is the time to pick up the phone and call somebody that you knew years ago, reestablish relationship with perhaps family members with whom you have uh, lost contact. These are the times that we need each other and that our health and our decision-making can benefit from reconnecting to other people
1: thank you for bringing up social distancing versus physical and I've been using the term physical distancing because we've been able to be social I have a son that lives down the street and I stand outside the deck and they are on the deck and we're eating (laughs) And, and sharing you know the time they're they're being so cautious um, some of it is because my husband and I are in that that range of elderly uh, gosh I hate that word but uh, it, it, it's it's what we do and we've gotten so used to it um, i I think the worst day for me is when my grandson ran up to me to hug me because that's what he does and I pushing, you know, back and saying, no, 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 <laughs> didn't feel very good about that, but uh, he's he's trying to keep up with it, too. So uh, this is so gratifying, and I like the, the gratitude, uh, the idea of a gratitude journal. Uh, it's a more positive approach, uh, being grateful for what we're doing, grateful for anything we've done that's positive. Um, keep talking on this issue of making decisions and what, what interferes. I, I talk about environmental modification of uh, gene expression as, as being what underlies almost every condition we can think of. So what, um, what can you tell us about lifestyle, exposures, environment? Uh, environment? You've, you've given us lots of good ideas, but what more can we learn from you?
3: That's it. We have nothing more to add. <laughs> uh, this is Austin. <laughs> so to take a step back here, I think a couple of statistics would be helpful. And these relate to the idea that the average American is not doing very well as it relates to the average American, most will experience at least one chronic disease with a substantial proportion, 40%, experiencing two or more chronic diseases, that around 20% of Americans are going to experience a diagnosable depressive episode, around 30% a diagnosable anxiety, and that 70-plus percent of Americans are overweight or obese. And so, when you look at those statistics, and especially understanding that many of these conditions are preventable, you understand that we as Americans following the status quo are not doing all that well. So that's, I think, should be an important starting point for people to understand. It's not as though if you follow what other people are doing, you will wind up successful in life. It's actually the opposite. and. We want to focus in on what is the modern world doing to our brain. The reason is because all of these conditions, to some extent, relate to our decision-making. And granted, some of these conditions are outside of our control, but a lot of the risk factors for these diseases, things like heart disease, diabetes, things like obesity, are things that are determined by our decisions. So here is the problem. It's that our brain circuits for decision-making have been wired in such a way that it makes us makes it nearly impossible for us to make the healthier better choice. Now what I say is that our brains are amazing. They're they're plastic. They have what's called neuroplasticity, which means that they're constantly responding to our environment. When we do something new, when we do something that we've been doing many times, it solidifies pathways in our brain such that it makes us more likely to continue to do those things. So, If you are engaging in a life like the average American where you are watching a lot of news, where you are paying attention to social media, and the average American is watching four hours of TV each day, on top of that spending about two hours on social media, that information is going through your eyes, through your ears, and is being incorporated into your brain wiring. Now, why does that matter so much? It's because the messaging that comes through, especially in news stations, especially through certain aspects of social media, is designed to stimulate the fear based systems in the brain, the amygdala, to incite the fight or flight response. And I don't necessarily blame these companies, social media news companies for doing this because we know that stress and fear are exciting to people. They get people to pay attention. And we know that when it bleeds it leads. This is The protocol that is in place because humans have a negativity bias, we tend to pay attention to the bad stuff. Why it matters so much, though, is the more we're exposed to these negativity um, dialogues, the more that we're exposed to stress and fear and anxiety, the more it wires our brains so that even when we're not paying attention to the news and social media, our brains are looking for the negative. They are starting off each day with higher levels of stress, they are starting off each day with higher levels of anxiety that is going to color our thinking for the entire day. That is going to make us more likely to make us versus them type decisions, meaning me self-centered focus as opposed to using empathy. That is going to make us more likely to make impulsive decisions as it relates to eating unhealthy foods or not getting enough exercise. And it's also going to compromise our sleep. We know that when people are stressed, they don't fall asleep. What is supposed to happen as the day goes on is that cortisol levels fall into the night, and that is the traditional circadian rhythm cycle. But as we become stimulated by these devices up until the last moment we go to sleep, our brains are not able to shut down. And so all of these things feed into this cycle where our brains become wired for poor choices. They become wired for narcissistic-type behaviors as opposed to engaging with empathy And these are the traits, then, that are associated with lower quality of life, with worse relationships, with worse overall health. So I think it's really important as it pertains to your original question, which is what are the aspects of the modern world that are wiring our brains for poor choices, to ask what are the things that we tend to do the most? And those things include the foods that we eat. We eat a lot of food during the day. We engage with a lot of media during the day. And those are the biggest portals for us to have our brains wired for worse decisions. They're also the best ways that we can start taking back our brains for better decisions
1: well said well said and listeners if you've just tuned in with us you're with the essentials of healthy living on 1500 a.m we're talking with dr david perlmutter and dr austin Pearlmutter, and we're talking about brainwash detoxing your mind and they will continue this conversation in the next segment stay with us we'll be right back
6: These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green. Do
4: you have unique needs that a mass-market pharmacy can't meet? Village Green Apothecary can help. Maybe your doctor prescribed a special compounded formula, or you have concerns about allergies or dietary supplements. Our expert team includes pharmacists, nutritionists, clinical herbalists, and naturopaths who can offer you advice on nutritional products and personalized healthy living plans. We also offer specialized lab and micronutrient testing to our customers. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane. Call us at 301 530 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. committed to pure and great-tasting
0: omega oils. The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body. And this is where Gero formula's Neuro NeuroOptimizer comes to the rescue. NeuroOptimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. NeuroOptimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. NeuroOptimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit Gero.com. Gero formulas available at Village Green Apothecary great
1: Welcome back, listeners, to the third segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. We're here every Sunday morning, so tune in next week for more information on healthy living. Now, we're having an excellent conversation with Dr. David Perlmutter and Dr. Austin Perlmutter, and we're talking about brainwash. So we're going to continue that conversation. Uh, We're talking about, um, I like that you had said humans tend toward, many humans uh, tend toward the negative. And I've always thought that that was supposed to be protective. You know, are we in danger? Is something bad happening? And some people do it more than others. And I, I like the idea of not assuming Uh, the worst. Uh, I have a friend who when she misplaces her purse says, who stole my purse? I said, what makes you think it's stolen? I misplaced my purse. (laughs) You know, so I, when you said that, that was, uh, that really resonated. Uh, Talk to us more about the brain and uh, the digital technologies, because this is such an issue.
2: Sure. And, you know, just to get back to that comment that you just made about uh, living our lives in fear uh, or that, you know, acting fearful might actually be a positive. I think it's really about uh, that there are upsides and downsides. You know, a lot of times in medicine we talk about something called a U-shaped curve where it's bad on one side, it's good in the middle, and it's bad on the other side. For example, uh, yeah, either way. Um, uh, Blood sugar levels, really, really low. That's not going to be good for you in terms of functionality. There's this... uh, Please forgive this terrible pun. There's a sweet spot. And then there's too high a blood sugar. So it's all about finding the balance. And so it is with uh, being engaged with information these days. We need to know what's going on, uh, what, what's happening around us. By and large, there there's some challenges that we have. No one would argue with that. But if you overdo it and lock yourself day in and day out to uh, the negativity that's all around you, then you're constantly fueling the flames of fear and amplifying, to get back to what Austin said earlier, through a process called neuroplasticity, you're enhancing the superhighway that locks you into the fear centers of the brain. And therefore, everything becomes a fear-inspiring adventure for you. And uh, similarly, we can get away from that. When we begin to appreciate that everything is not necessarily threatening, Uh, we can understand that there are uh, other ways of looking at our world that aren't necessarily always going to be invoking fear. When we continue to look upon things as uh, fear-inspiring, it leads to us having unnatural or inappropriate responses to events around us that shouldn't necessarily be sparking that fear uh, response the stress response, and we call that anxiety. So anxiety is really having this response to a situation that shouldn't uh, be threatening to us, that really isn't threatening to us, but because we are so tempered to to think that everything around us is out to get us, then even uh, simple uh, experiences we have day to day can can amplify that response within the brain, and we can feel it. We can feel our heart rates go up. Uh, ourselves become agitated, and that doesn't really serve us very well. So, nonetheless, we can take steps to actively rewire ourselves away from this sense of fear day in and day out. And oddly enough, the same area of the brain that is responsible for this response, this fear response, is the same area that leads to bad decision making, one of the areas called the amygdala. So, Fearful decision making, uh, decision making that's based upon stress, that's based upon not having a good night's sleep, that's based upon uh, not leading a life that helps reduce inflammation. Uh, this is a, these are responses that are short term, uh, that only think about what we want right now and don't really get involved in how that decision is going to play out uh, tomorrow, the next day, next year. Now. This goes well beyond uh, decisions related to our health. This has to do with how we invest our money, uh, how we make decisions for other people. Uh, Our whole decision-making apparatus is at risk here when we've not engaged those very important lifestyle choices that can reconnect us to that adult in the room, that decision-maker.
1: Very well said. Um, Austin, uh, what do you have to add to that? Um, as far as um, how our devices, how these EMFs are hijacking parts of our brain. Uh, I've, I came up with that term because as I've observed uh, children that are on the devices, their responses, I've had some children that actually uh, developed some OCD uh, repetitive motions From being on it because it's so fast and and they get so excited so we know in development of children that too much exposure is not a good thing but they're exposed in school Uh, they're exposed at home what can we do about this
3: sure well I think that it's not yet certain the extent of negative uh, impact these devices are having on our brains. I think that there are several studies that have attempted to show a concrete link between worse health outcomes and use of devices, and it hasn't been consistent. Um, There are several studies that are looking into it right now, and so we'll know a lot more in the next few years. But I think what is helpful, though, is to look at the more concrete data we we have. And, And one of those data points is that we know other things are of benefit to our health. So we know exercise is good for us. We know spending time with friends and family is good for us. We know getting into nature is good for us. And when we are spending the majority of our waking hours interfacing with technology, or as I mentioned before, four hours a day watching TV, two hours a day on social media, and that doesn't include, for a lot of people, the amount of time they spend playing video games, then it means that that is is not enabling us to engage with those healthy activities. So even if technology, meaning screens, was completely neutral, we are still at a net loss because we're no longer taking advantage of the stuff that we know is a benefit to our health. I, I want to say that especially as it relates to the present moment, we are as a, a, a world, as a as a whole, spending more time on our devices. And I definitely want to caution that a, a blanket statement that we need to be using our devices less is not where I want to go right now. The reason is these are the ways that we can connect to continue our businesses, to continue learning, to do e-learning, um, to continue educating others as we're doing right now. Um, it's also a way of staying entertained, and it's maybe not the ideal way to, to be spending time in a perfect world, but a little bit of video games here and there is, is not the, the biggest issue right now. Now The question, though, is what is it doing to our, our brains? And I think that as it relates to technology, there's a big difference between watching, let's say, a documentary or a nature show and watching something that is purposely sensationalized that is designed to hijack your attention, um, as is a lot of the content on some of these streaming platforms and on social media. And so to that end, we developed this acronym called the Test of Time, which we feel is at least at this stage, probably the most helpful way of approaching our digital technology use. So it's an acronym, as I said, it's T-I-M-E. The idea is that you apply this acronym every time you're engaging with digital technology so that you are benefiting from it and it's not taking away from your quality of life, not wiring your brain for worse decisions. The T is for time restricted. That means that as you engage with your technology, let's say you want to go on Facebook or Instagram or watch Netflix, you set yourself a window. So let's say you're going on social media. You say, I'm going to spend 15 minutes. You set a timer for that. Or if you want to watch a show on Netflix, you set it for 30 minutes. When that timer goes off, then you stop. The reason is most of the time we get sucked in for hours and hours at a time, and that's where people start feeling like they're really wasting their lives where they're really losing something to these technologies. But if you can set that time window, it's a wonderful way to ensure that you are staying on top of how much time you actually want to dedicate. And I for intentional. This means that as you engage with digital technologies, you want to make sure that you have a plan. So what I tell people is if that is going on Facebook and checking on the your second cousin's child's um, bat mitzvah ceremony, whatever it is, that's fine. You just need to have a plan so that you don't wind up scrolling passively and and not really gaining anything from that. We actually know that people who passively engage with social media have less or lower levels of wellness than people who are actively engaging. So have an intention. Have a plan. M is for mindful. One of the things that we found in researching this book is that people tend to be very mindless when they're engaging with technologies. And what that means is you can find yourself turning off the news and realizing That you, Or maybe not even realizing, but being very anxious, being very upset, and now taking that out on your friends and family members and now having a much lower quality for the rest of your day. So being mindful is saying, as I'm engaging with this technology, how is it affecting me? How is it affecting my mental status? How is it affecting my mood? If it's not doing the things you want it to do, then that's the point that you say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn this off because I'm no longer enjoying this. I'm no longer benefiting from it as it relates to my mental health. And then E is for enriching, which is, I believe, the most important part of this. The idea is you want to gain from technology. You want to benefit from technology. You don't want technology to take from you. You want to come out of that saying, I gained something objective from this use. So, for example, as I said before, if you were watching a documentary, you might, at the end of that, say, I learned several things about so-and-so's presidency or about the state of the Amazon rainforest. You can say, I come away with something from an intellectual perspective, or I feel better. A lot of the time, though, when we stop paying attention to our technologies, when we turn off our computers, our smartphones, or our TVs, you might feel like you just wasted a lot of time. You might feel like you're more stressed. You may feel like you didn't come away with a net benefit. And if that is the case, that's the time then to look at the other three le- other three letters of this acronym, the T, I, and M, and so next time you engage with technology, make sure you set a new time window, make sure you're a bit more intentional, make sure you're a bit more mindful, so that you're basically changing up your technology use such that it's most optimized to improve your quality of life.
1: I really like that uh, acronym, and it, it's easy to pull up. <laughs> it's just perfect. Uh, thank you for that. Um, what about the ten-day brainwash program? Uh, could you talk about that? And certainly, our listeners can avail themselves of your book. It's available uh, on Amazon and booksellers.
2: Yeah, our book is actually available uh, globally now and uh, being translated into eighteen languages. And it's really interesting that uh, that this is happening because you know this is a book about making good decisions as they relate to your health. We know that having generally poor underlying health is a setup for, uh, you know, bad outcomes as it relates to some of the challenges of our day, that's for sure. So we're wondering if that might be why people are suddenly so interested in brainwashing. But that said, uh, to get back to your question about the, the 10-day plan, what we do in the 10-day plan is really each day we dedicate to one of the on-ramps towards better brain connection, as, as it were whether it's sleep, meditation, gratitude journal, reconnecting with nature, looking at our diets, uh, reconnecting to other people, et cetera. Each of the days uh, for the first eight days uh, is then dedicated to one specific area with the hope that as we move through the 10-day program that these things will then be cumulative, that people hopefully will be able to add these to each other as we go but it may not be the case. It may be that people really found a lot of benefit from one particular intervention. At the end of the program, we, we sort of take stock in terms of what worked and what didn't work, where we need to work more. Uh, and, uh, and then finally, it's um, how do we then create a program moving forward uh, that works for you as the participant, you as the reader. But we have identified, as I, I've said, multiple on-ramps uh, to help us sort of distance ourselves from being so dictated day in and day out by the, the, uh, the amygdala in terms of its desire to make us impulsive and you know lock us into poor decision-making, fearful, us versus them, uh, tribalism. So th- that's the, uh, the nature of this 10-day program.
1: It sounds good, and we'll talk more about it in the final segment. If you've just tuned in, folks, you're with The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour, and talking with Dr. Austin Perlmutter and Dr. David Perlmutter, learning a lot about Brainwash, and their book is available, and you said globally. Very interesting. So, folks, stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com. Some things are hard to stomach, and life doesn't stop for occasional immune challenges or intestinal distress. ProBalarti from Metagenics offers a new targeted probiotic approach for intestinal support. Help maintain control while traveling or as a follow-up to antibiotic therapy to support intestinal flora for healthy intestinal function. ProbiLardi provides ID-certified probiotic strains, suggested by research to enhance certain aspects of immune function, in addition to promoting a healthy balance of intestinal microflora. Probolardi is the go-to probiotic for patients on the go. Get it today. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green apothecary.
5: Quality can't always be seen. Honest labeling, trusted sourcing, unwavering standards. At Pure Encapsulations, we are committed to wellness without compromise, delivering high-quality hypoallergenic products for nearly three decades. Our products are free from gluten, trans fats, peanuts, GMOs, magnesium stearate, and artificial ingredients. Pure Encapsulations is the leading brand in the healthcare practitioner market, ranking highest in ingredients purity, quality testing, and trust. Pure Encapsulations products available at Village Green Apothecary and myvillagegreen.com.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to today's final segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour, and it's a reminder that we're here every Sunday morning at 10 AM. Tune in next week for more information on healthy living. We're talking with Dr. David Perlmutter, Dr. Austin Perlmutter, and we have been talking about their book. Uh, brainwash and detoxing your mind. We've gotten a lot of good ideas. Um, I know that sleep is so important, and you've mentioned that. Do you want to talk more about that?
3: Absolutely. I think that of any of the interventions we discussed in the book, sleep is the quickest way to get your brain working a whole bunch better. And we have seen in the literature that even one night of skip sleep is going to compromise decision-making that is going to make people more emotionally reactive and we know that people who don't get enough sleep eat on average 385 extra calories each day so why is all this so important it means that giving yourself that seven to eight hours of sleep tonight is a amazing opportunity to reset your brain for better decision-making and it's also by the way going to help you in your relationships with other people think right now with a lot of people working from home or just home you're going to be in close proximity to your family members to your significant others and that's great don't get me wrong I think it's wonderful to have the opportunity to spend more time with these people we care about but let's face it we can all be getting on each other's nerves a little bit easier when there's not as much room so getting enough sleep is probably the best thing that you can do to smooth out those relationships in addition to, by the way, making you uh, more thoughtful with your words, it's going to improve the quality of your thinking. So, if you're trying to come up with some new ideas for work, if you're trying to make financial decisions, sleep is going to help with all of those things as well.
2: And let me exemplify uh, Yes.
3: The idea that
2: uh, you know we are pretty much the arbiters of whether we get a good night's sleep or not. You know, there are people who have trouble with sleep. No question. But for most of us, if we turn off the television after dinner, if we don't have caffeine after, let's say, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we do get some pretty strenuous exercise during the day uh, and limit, for example, alcohol consumption and make sure our rooms are quiet and a little bit cooler than you might uh, be comfortable with. You know, These are simple steps that we can uh, take that can have a profound effect on improving not just the quantity but the quality of our sleep and, 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 you know, at the, at the end of the day, what we're looking for here is ways of allowing us to get away from acting impulsively to make better decisions and to reconnecting to that part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex that can, you know, ultimately allow us to be more empathetic uh, people, more involved in other people's lives, more involved in caring for the planet upon which we live, more able to experience cognitive empathy, in other words, to embrace uh, viewpoints of other people, even though those viewpoints might at first blush really seem contradictory to our framework. So these are things that are very, very important for us that are all sabotage when we don't, for example, get a good night's sleep, eat the right diet, exercise, uh, meditate, etc.
1: Good. That's, that is a good explanation of the benefits of sleep. Uh, definitely people experience feeling more positive and and mentally sharper but the relationship part is really important and thank you for pointing that out now you've been having a conversation about COVID-19 on your site and uh, you've had different professionals join you on that do you want to give us a little bit of information before we sign off
2: well, yeah, you know, this is a very dynamic uh, conversation, that's for sure, because every day we learn uh, more, and we also learn about things that, m- that we may have been uh, thinking about days ago that are not exactly uh, in line with science. So uh, I think that's something that's been very uh, in- intriguing, and that is how dynamic is this conversation? Well, don't wear a mask one day, then the next day we should all be wearing masks. But I think one constant Uh, that remains is this extremely important value of what's called, in in some circles, immunological uh, distancing. You know, we've said social distancing. (laughs) The the truth is uh, we want to immunologically isolate ourselves from other people. And um, I I think that that has proven to be perhaps, along with widespread availability of testing, one of the most valuable things that we can do. Uh, Everyone's looking for this magic herb, whether it's traditional Chinese medicine or a drug or what have you, uh, to take what is the dosage today. Uh, We're not at that stage as of our conversation today where we can make a specific recommendation for a medical intervention with the exception of this ability that we have to keep ourselves safer by uh, isolating ourselves from other people who may well uh, be carriers and able to transmit this virus.
1: Yeah, that's important. Um, I'm I'm glad that you're covering that. And do you have any uh, summaries, kind of a summary of what you've been talking about for the last few minutes for our listeners? There, you've given a lot of information that people can take home, news you can use. I love that. You, you know, as soon as they've finished the program, they can do something that day. And that night they can get better sleep. You mentioned that. So uh, do you want to uh, sort of give an overview before we sign off?
2: Sure. I, I, let, me, let me say, uh, and then Austin will add uh, his comments. The, the, I think perhaps what stands out the most uh, for me is that people should stop the blame game, uh, that their, their decision-making has been actively sabotaged, uh, that they can regain the ability to make better decisions and as such regain their health, reduce their risk for illness, uh, and even these actions will further assist making better decisions moving forward. We call this a feed-forward process. So uh, I think that you know, for those of your listeners who question each day why they can't fill in the blank, why they can't go on the right diet, why they can't exercise, why can't they get a a better night's sleep, why are they making bad decisions, that uh, there is absolutely every reason to believe that they can regain the ability to make these good decisions.
1: Very well said. Dr. Austin?
3: So, piggyback on that, I would say that We, as individuals, our our health, our relationships, our financial stability, all of these things are majorly influenced by how far into the future our decisions are looking. So if you are only able to look at what happens in the next few minutes, you're going to be more likely to eat the junk food, to order the stuff on Amazon that you don't need to yell at somebody that you probably shouldn't yell at. But if you're able to look a little bit further into the future, then you start making decisions that take into account more data that lead you to a more balanced, healthy life. And so what we're talking about here in the book is you have the ability to reset your perspective a little bit further into the future once you understand that all the machinations of the modern world are, in essence, designed to make you focus on the present and fixing that, that itch and giving you that instant gratification. So getting the ability to look outside of that bubble that is so toxic to our physical and mental health is an unbelievable opportunity, and it's so simple to get started, but it is a lifetime commitment. So you just have to decide, are you going to be content with developing the same problems that most Americans have, or are you going to be willing to make some changes to your brain to increase the odds that you live a balanced life of wellness? And, you know, unfortunately, the deck has been stacked against us, but it is on us to see through this blame game and to start making the changes necessary to live our best lives.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. And I want to thank you, listeners, for joining us on the show. As our lives move forward, I'm reminded that every day is a new day, every minute a new minute, giving us many opportunities to make positive health-enhancing choices. This is Dana Lake in Village Green wishing each and every one of you good health and a happy day.
4: Cedar Lane, or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.